Thank you for tuning into A Spirit-Led Life with HMI. We hope you enjoyed today's session with Pastor Dion Hockey. Hi everybody, welcome to today's program. My name is Dion Hockey. We are from Healing Ministries International. I'm so excited to share today's message with you as I continue to talk on having a revival. My wife and I are celebrating this week 30 years of full-time ministry and uh, we've traveled the world, preached revivals around uh, the world and seen so many lives and people change. And it's amazing that I still come to some churches and some countries and last weekend and the weeks before I've been teaching on having a personal revival, now we want to talk about a corporate revival, but still coming to churches you find people saying, but why do we need a revival? What's the purpose of a revival? People don't even understand the concept of revival. And again, I will say this, and I'm going to always say, the, the idea of revival, the idea of church is to make it into heaven and to bring as many people as we can into heaven. Remember this, there is when we die, there's a hell and there is a heaven. I cannot emphasize this enough. And we have to take as many people as we can with us to, to heaven. You as a Christian who is watching this program, you have a mandate from God. You have a calling from God. Um, uh, uh, God has commissioned you and He has commissioned me. He has commissioned us to go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Okay, You have a responsibility. I, I'm not ashamed to say this. We will stand before God and He's going to ask us, what did you do? do with my words that I spoke to you when I asked you go into all the world and preach the gospel what did you do with my word friend I pray that you will let these words drop in your spirit so that when you when you come before God you're not going to be afraid uh, to answer that question but you're going to say to him Lord I was obedient to your word and I did what you told me uh, what you told us to do so I want to encourage you we can have a personal revival. That is your, your relationship every day with God. But now we want to get a church revival. So how do we do this? Okay, I'm going to teach on personal revival. Uh, we'll do this today and I'll, next week I'll come and I'll continue. I don't know how long we'll teach on this, but I'm just going to give you what I have learned. And I want to share this experiences with you on how to have a church revival. Amen. If you're watching this and, and if your pastor didn't watch this program, get him to watch this program. Record it. Just push the record button there on your on your DSTV um, box and you can record this message. All right. You need to give this to your pastor so he can learn how to have a revival. Most probably he knows that, but encourage him that we can't sit back and get lazy. We have to get on fire for God. All right. So this message is entitled How to Have a corporate revival okay let's go to psalm 133 verse 1 to 3 all right the whole psalm of 133 and i think when i read this you're going to understand immediately what is corporate revival but before we read it let me pray for you father we pray a blessing upon this teaching we pray your anointing revelation understanding and wisdom to come to every viewer that is watching right now in the name of jesus and father i pray that as i teach the word father that there will be a hunger and a desperation that will jump up in the hearts of people so that we can see revival come to our cities to our towns and to our churches in the mighty name of jesus father bless this teaching in jesus name amen Amen. All right, let's read Psalm 133, verse 1. It says, Behold, how good 
and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Got it? Unity. So how do we create a revival? You must have unity in church. If there is not unity in church, forget it. You're not going to have a revival. When I, was, uh, when, when, we, when I was in the army and as soldiers, we used to march left, right, left, right, you know. And uh, when, you're, when you had one man who was not uh, in the same pace that you were marching in, one guy who was out, he didn't know his left from his right. So when everybody goes up right, uh, you know, then he goes up left. So instead of having this, we have this. And, you know, everybody got into big trouble just because of one guy who was not in unity with the whole group. And so it is important to understand as a church, as a congregation, you have to be in unity. You have to have complete unity to see revival break out. Now listen to what the scripture says. He says verse 2, It is like precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. You see, uh, unity starts from the top and flows down to the bottom. If your pastor has a vision, and I'll, I'll talk all about this, but if there is a vision from the top, it is important that this vision is, de is shared, declared to the people beneath. So the vision comes from the top going down to the bottom, but the unity starts from the bottom going up to the top, which brings a, a connection. There has to be the connection in the church. Alrighty, it is like precious oil, oil representing the Holy Spirit, representing the anointing. So the anointing runs from the top and goes down upon the leadership. There has to be um, a, a, a unity between the pastor and the leadership, the eldership. Call them what you want to call them. Uh, uh, you know, the, there has to be a unity. And then from the leadership to the congregation has to be unity. It is very important important to understand that if there's no unity no revival i have come to many churches so many churches there is division there is division between the worship team and the and the pastor there is division in the children's church and um, you know uh, the leaders there is division of the of of people going to the home cells and the home cell leaders uh, you know there's so much division we cannot have division if we have division, it's gonna the walls are gonna fall in. Alrighty, we need to be and get in unity, uh, have the vision of our pastor, catch that same vision, and it'll it'll grow. Let's move on. He says it is like the dew of Hermon uh, descending upon the mountains of Zion. Now listen, for there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore can you imagine that that god would command not ask or tell he will command a blessing life forevermore i think that'll be powerful that when we when when jesus sits and he watches on earth and he sees the churches working and he says but hang on hang on what's that there's a church right down there and listen to what they're doing they are in unity i command a blessing upon them oh my goodness can you remember, uh, uh, imagine the results that will come from God's blessing that's going to fall upon us? So the question then is, how do we create unity? 
it is a subject that has been taught many times over and over in so many places. So my question is, Lord, how, how, how do we bring unity into a church? There are two ways. Today I'm going to cover one. Next week I'll cover the other. I'll see how far we get even with today. But how do we create unity? Are you ready to get this? Have you got your pen and paper? Go with me to Matthew chapter 18 verse 19. Matthew chapter 18 verse 19. Jesus is speaking. Jesus. He says, Again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth, where? On earth, not in heaven one day, right here on earth, concerning anything that they ask, it will it will, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Hallelujah. Come on, isn't that good news? If two of us agree, two of us agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Point number one, if you're writing this down, unity starts through prayer. Prayer is the utmost important thing. Prayer is the engine of a church. Prayer is the, is the fire. You know, when you have a locomotive train, you know, a steam train. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Not an electric train, a steam train. And you have the guys up in the engine and they take coal and they're throwing coal into the engine to keep the fire burning. Now, that is what happens. The, the, the engine burns and the, the, the steam pushes the motors to turn the wheels. But you have to have somebody throwing coals all the time to keep the fire burning. You have to stoke the fire, as they call it. Now, this is what prayer does. Prayer keeps the engine burning. When we throw prayers into the, into the engine room, it's going to cause the wheels to turn. But if we don't pray, then there's going to be no more fire. So revival, point number one, friend, revival starts through prayer. And Jesus says, if two of us come in agreement concerning anything that we ask, it will be done for us by our Father in heaven. It will be done. Now, why is this important? Well, uh, I've shared this, you know, uh, some of you might have heard me say this before. Uh, when I go to some churches and I teach on the subject, um, I'm talking like I'm talking to you now. Imagine, imagine we were in a building and I step off the platform and I walk right up to you and I've got the microphone in my hand and I put the mic in front of your mouth and I say, tell me, friend, what is the vision of your pastor? And, and, and you could see some of the audience members, they go, um, 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 they, they just freeze. They have no idea what the vision is. They don't have no idea. I said, when do you have prayer meetings? Um, 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 and, and then I would go to somebody else. And, and I would find that 50 to 60% of the church doesn't know when they have prayer meetings. They don't even know if there are prayer meetings. They don't know what is the vision of the pastor. They don't know what's the vision of the church. The problem is they are just church goers going to church. And there is no unity. Do you get what I'm saying? Uh, you find Christians who are just happy with one service. I'm going to go to church and I'm just going to sit there and I'm going to have a great time and wait for next Sunday. That is not revival. That is that survival. <laughs> it's not revival. 
Amen. There's people just surviving week from week to week. No, we want to get past that. We want to get on fire for Jesus. We want to be motivated. We want to reach out and get the community saved, our family saved, and get the city on fire for Jesus. Can you say amen? We have to get as many people saved as we can. So we have to pray. We have to pray. Now, another thing I've tested, I would, um, if I would jump off the stage and I would take a microphone and walk into, you know, amongst the audience, the congregation, and I would say, pray. Do you know how people freeze up praying when you put a microphone in front of them? They just like, no, don't ask me to pray. No, and that tells me already how much relationship you have with God because prayer should not be a problem for you. You should just say, yes, let's pray. Amen. Father, I come to you in the name and you begin to pray and everybody agrees. But there is such a fear of prayer which tells me which tells me that you, who are afraid to pray in public, you are not involved in anything in the church uh, uh, organization. You're not involved in prayer meetings. You're not involved in evangelism. You're just hiding away at home. You know, leave me alone. I mind my own business. You know, don't, don't come and stir me. Don't come and, you know, rock my boat. I, I don't need this in my life. It is important to understand that we have to learn, point number one, under point number one, is that we need to learn to be able to pray together as a congregation. If we cannot pray together, now you have intercessors in the church. And this is for me a very sad thing because you have your core group of prayers, but the majority of the church is not praying is not praying. Now, why is prayer so important? I hope you are listening to what I have to share with you. So, so important what I want to give you right now. You know, the Bible says that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So whatever your heart is full of is going to come out by the words that you say. Would you agree? So if I turn to God and I and I begin to pray to the Lord, and I say something like this. I say, oh, Father, I pray uh, in Jesus' name that you will bring a revival to our church and everything. But in your heart, uh, you, you're really not much interested. You know, I, I don't want to have church every night. I don't like the long singing worshipers. And, oh, the pastor preaches too much about sin. And, uh, you know, but we want revival, Lord. But, you know, bring revival on my terms. But we pray this. This is what I'm thinking. But I pray and I say, Lord, bring revival to her. And But if my heart, if my words are not in line with my heart, what does that make me? A liar. And you cannot lie before God. It's silly. It's a silly concept to think that if, I'm, if I ask God for one thing, but my heart is going another direction, do you think God's confused? God knows. He knows everything in our heart. And this is why corporate prayer is important because if I'm sitting next to a brother or if I took the microphone and I said, pray, let me hear what you're praying. Now I know because I cannot lie before God and the words I speak is going to be true because God knows I cannot lie before him. Would you agree? So if somebody prays and I'm holding a microphone and I hear from the abundance of his heart, he begins to pray and he asks God certain things. Now I come in agreement with him where two or three are in agreement. 
So when he says and asks for something and I say, Amen, you know what Amen means. It means I agree. It means so be it. Amen. I agree. I'm, I'm standing in agreement with you in what you are praying. Now, could you imagine if we got together as a congregation on a Sunday morning, just thinking out of the box now, okay, blowing tradition away. Imagine this, that if we got together on a Sunday morning and there was a, there's 150 people in church and most of them never attend a prayer meeting. Now they go to church expecting the pastor to preach. But imagine the pastor just stops and he says, all right, everybody, just stand up. Let's make a big circle. Let's hold hands. Joe, you start first. Pray, pray. Could you imagine 150 congregation members begin to pray? And what's the topic? Revival. We want to see revival come. Can you imagine the impact it's going to have? Because now you have 150 people who never pray during the week. They've never asked God for one thing. They just go to work They're about their own business. And now they come to church and they hear all of a sudden people praying and asking for revival. Number one, they get thrown out of their comfort zone. But number two, they begin to hear what is in the heart of the people and what is the cry to God from the people. And guess what this does? It causes you to say amen. It causes a hunger to rise up inside of you. Thinking about, you know, uh, doing something different. Imagine that. That everybody, instead of the pastor preaching on Sunday morning, he just gets you all to pray on a Sunday morning. And we pray the prayer of agreement. We pray God for miracles. 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 says the following. Are you with me? 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. In who? In Christ. Not in your pastor or in somebody else. This is the confidence that we have in Jesus. That if we, notice the word we, all right, it's not, it's not uh, 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 me, it's we, plural, the prayer of agreement. And if we ask anything according to His will, whose will? His will. If we ask anything according to His will, what happens? He hears us. And if we know, verse 15, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Hallelujah. Come on, isn't that good news? If we come in agreement, we pray God's will, He's going to hear us. And when we know, if we believe He's hearing us, He's going to give us the things that we are asking for. This is what makes prayer so powerful. Praying in unity. God wants us to pray in unity. Let me prove to you from the scriptures. In Acts chapter 1 verse 14. I want you to read this with me. In Acts chapter let me show you the power of prayer in unity. How it releases the fire of God and brings revival. All right. In Acts chapter 1 verse 14, it says this. Uh, and these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Yet we find that um, verse 12 says, uh, if I can read uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 12 says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. Uh, Remember, Jesus had now been taken up into heaven. Jesus gave them the great commission. 
He said, go into all the world, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody, you know. And then he says, we are to baptize people and do all of that stuff. So he, now they return, and Jesus has been taken up into heaven. They return to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near uh, Jerusalem, uh, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were. They were staying. There was Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the, the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the mother of Mary, uh, and uh, uh, sorry, with the woman of Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. What did they do? They just returned and they did something immediately. They began to pray. Now, would you, uh, would you consider with me the fact, what do you think they prayed about? What do you think they prayed? Well, go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Let me tell you, they prayed a promise. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, here's a promise that Jesus gives before he is taken up into heaven. Jesus says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So here's Jesus standing in front of his disciples, and he says, Listen guys, I'm about to go away, but don't worry, I'm not leaving you alone. He says, you're going to get power when I go. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He'll empower you to fulfill the task, this great commission that I've given you to go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Command them to do everything that I've, you know, uh, uh, do everything I've commanded you to do, and lo, I'm with you. So he gives them this commandment. He gives them the promise of the Holy Spirit, and whoop, there he goes up into heaven. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the people saying, uh, uh, well, well, what are we going to do now? So they go back to Jerusalem. And as they go back to Jerusalem, they begin to pray the promise. They pray what Jesus had promised. Now watch this, Acts chapter 2 verse 1. It is powerful. They went back to the upper room and they begin to pray. And could you imagine they, they're getting together, they're holding hands maybe, or they, they're praying and they're saying, Lord, we don't understand what Jesus meant by we will receive power. We don't understand, but come on, guys, let's pray. Hey, John, join me. Come on, uh, uh, Matthew, uh, uh, help me, join me. Uh, come on, uh, let's pray, and let's pray what Jesus promised. Can you, can you picture that? And so they begin to pray, and as they pray, watch Acts chapter 2, verse 1, how the word, the promise, comes into fulfillment. Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. There it is, one accord in unity. And, and they were in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they appeared to them, divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. Listen, listen, listen. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. The power of God comes upon them. The promise that Jesus made now comes into fulfillment how did it come into fulfillment when they prayed the prayer of agreement do you catch what i'm teaching you today they prayed the prayer of agreement the holy ghost fell upon them and they were baptized they received that power 
Now, can I encourage you? I'm sure all of you that is watching me, you received a prophetic message, maybe in your personal life, uh, as a church, as a congregation, you have received a prophetic message and somebody came and said, God's going to do this and God's going to do that and there's going to be growth and, and everybody got excited because the man of God spoke and the prophetic message came and they said, yes, yes, yes. And now it's 10 years later and nothing has happened. And you're saying, well, come on, God, what's going on? Where is this promise that was made? Friend, I want to ask you this question. Have you prayed the promise through? Did you grab hold of Jesus? Did you get the congregation? Did you write the vision down and say, listen, this is what God promised. Let's pray that promise into existence. Let's pray it through in Jesus' name. If anybody understands intercession, intercession is when you're giving birth in the spiritual realm. I don't want to get into that uh, deep teaching now, but when something wants to manifest in the physical, it has to be birthed in the spiritual. And to give birth in the spiritual, you have to pray something through. You have to pray something through. I want to encourage you today that if you have a promise from God, um, go to your pastor and ask him, Pastor, what prophecies has been given to our congregation, to our church? What are the promises that there's going to be growth coming, that there's going to be breakthrough coming? Then get those promises. Are you listening to me? I'm giving you a very important key. Take those promises that have been spoken out prophetically. Write it on a piece of paper. Go and make copies of that. Call the whole church together. Give every congreg a congregation member a copy of the promises of the word of God that has been spoken out. And then get them to pray those promises. And go to God and say, Lord, this is what you said. We have it on black and white. You promised that this would happen. That's what they did in the book of Acts. And what happened then? God heard their prayer. He saw the unity. They prayed the prayer of faith. And guess what? The fire of God came down. In the name of Jesus, I want to prophesy this over you, that the fire of God will come to your church. Amen. I want you to take this message. I'm going to continue because time has already run out so quickly. But I want you to take this message and I want you to pray this with your pastor. Would you do that? Father, bless the audience right now and give them strength and courage. And may revival come to their churches in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Remember to follow us on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Instagram. We are Dion Hockey from Healing Ministries International. We bless you. We'll, I'll continue next week with this message. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus, have an awesome, awesome week. We love you. God bless you. Bye-bye. You can make a difference by partnering with us, a ministry with a heart for the lost, by visiting our website, www.dionhockey.org. You will also receive exclusive content from the ministry as a thank you from Pastor Dion Hockey. Remember to subscribe and follow our social media pages for updates, sermons and more information on the ministry. Thank you for listening and see you next time.